Hello, I'm Jody Butts, and welcome to the Canada 2020 Network, presented by Interact. In February, we watched cruise ships anxiously, wondering if they would be able to find a port to dock at and what would happen to passengers as COVID-19 moved through the ship. Now, here we are watching our nation return to being open for business and thinking about summer plans as borders remain closed to travel for pleasure. What does this all mean for tourism in the time of COVID-19? To explore this topic today, I'm joined by Michelle McKenzie. Michelle is Principal of McKenzie Strategies, a management consulting firm focused on business development and strategy based in Waverly, Nova Scotia. She has worked for a range of clients, including Commonics International, Tourism Nova Scotia, Cabot Links, and the Halifax Partnership. She has completed a one-year fellowship at Harvard University's Advanced Leadership Initiative, and she was the president and CEO of the Canadian Tourism Commission, now Destination Canada, from 2004 to 2013. Thank you for joining me, Michelle. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jody. So let's get into it. I mean, tourism is a huge industry in Canada. Uh, I was looking at the numbers, approximately 2% of Canada's GDP, $25 billion in tax revenue, and employs approximately 2 million Canadians when component sectors like food and accommodations, et cetera, are included. What is going to happen if this summer season is canceled or just too curtailed? Yeah, it's really, truly living in unprecedented times. So we don't really have a good understanding of um, how to predict the uh how this industry will come back based on um, past shocks. The industry has gone through a number of shocks in the past, but this one is really quite unprecedented. Uh, what I have seen over the years is that travel, tourism and travel, has been uh, the fastest, the leading industry, in fact, to come back after a shock. And we saw that after uh, the downturn after 9-11 in travel. We saw it um, after the, the um, global financial crisis, uh, that travel came back very quickly. And in this particular case with COVID-19, uh, we see that uh, travel and hospitality and tourism generally were kind of the earliest sector hit, and we really believe that they're going to be the last sector to return. So what does that mean for Canada? Um, you know, first of all, uh, there is no industry in Canada that is more dispersed in terms of the economic benefit than, than tourism. So we see uh, tourism showing up in the economies in every province and territory, in cities, in rural areas, uh, and we see it's a it's an industry of of primarily of small businesses. So it's going to have a, a very deep uh, and lasting impact. Yeah, um, this is uh, quite a, a challenge, and and maybe unlike some some other industries where, um, you know, trends that that had already started uh, are being accelerated. This truly seems like quite a massive shuffling of the deck for tourism. Yeah, so I I, I see it kind of in two ways. I think that the um, what's happening is in fact accelerating trends that were already started. So, you know, examples of that would be you know touchless technology. So you know we've been able to um, you know check in for our flights, uh, have uh, electronic boarding passes, etc. for for years now. But I think that will become the norm in the future. We will no longer have kind of these touch screens. Uh, for travel, whether it's at airports or even on airplanes, I think that the you know the seat back 
um, technology will probably go out the window in favor of people having their own technology on board, whether it's their tablet or their phone or whatever. So people's own technology is going to um, be key kind of as we go forward and we see some of these trends accelerating. I also feel that we're somewhat um, kind of going back to the future a little bit uh, with some of the trends. And, and the biggest one is you know, we're really spec expecting a resurgence the resurgence in rubber tire travel. Now, this was, you know, all, uh, this is how, you know, uh, tourism grew in Canada. These are how our destinations initially grew. We've, we've relied more recently heavily on air travel as air travels become more affordable and more accessible. Uh, but we, what we're seeing, certainly for 2020 and into 2021, is, uh, you know, the, the people hopping back in their cars and, and heading out to more uh, local destinations, uh, but places where they can you know, reach by car. Yeah, that's interesting. So China is, you know, further ahead of the uh, epidemiological curve. Jeez, I got caught up in my words there. Um, than uh, than Canada, right? They're further down the downward slope uh, in terms of uh, COVID uh, transmission rates. And uh, so they're a little bit more ahead of us in terms of um, seeing uh, what uh, a recovery looks like economically. And when it comes to travel um, in China as well, there's a strong preference um, uh, for travel by car uh, what I thought was really interesting is that in China, you know, they're seeing a move away from guided tour packages that that put groups together, which, which I think makes sense. But they're also seeing um, uh, changing demographics in terms of who is traveling. They're seeing younger people be the first uh, to re-embrace uh, travel uh, as opposed to seniors. Do you, do you think we'll see a similar trend here in Canada? Absolutely. I, I think we'll definitely see a trend of people traveling locally. You know, they'll be traveling locally, they'll be they'll be back in their own private vehicles primarily. Uh, there'll probably be a resurgence in Canada in um, recreational vehicles where people can feel they can um, uh, be in complete control of their environment. So we do expect that to, to take place. I think the thing that um, is still the big unknown is we're starting to see countries, and China is 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 one, and, and um, you know we're starting to see this rollout around the world uh, that there are there's phased um, approaches to opening the economy back up, but but so far uh, those phases are not really addressing the easing of border restrictions. So we think that that will kind of come last, you know, in the uh, as as economies reopen. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, pleasure travel across borders. So that will really impact uh, Canada's travel industry. Uh, we are uh, heavily dependent, for instance, on the U.S. market for for travel. Uh, in, in So 2019, for instance, last year, Canada would have attracted uh, over 22 million overnight visitors, uh, and about 15 million of them come from the U.S., so, you know, we know that the, the U.S. border is, is closed now. We don't know uh, how long that will be. We know the present time that there's there's dates on that, we, and, and there's a, a high expectation that they will be extended uh, in terms of non-essential travel. So Canada will be uh, focused on uh, the domestic market. Uh, we have a, a good market for Canada. We let, you know, we, we have lots of experiences that Canadians can enjoy. But 
certainly that's going to still be a, have a negative impact on Canada's travel sector. Um, for one thing, we're going to be missing uh, those 22 million uh, overnight visitors that were coming from other countries. Uh, that's great export um, revenue coming into our economy. And we also have travel restrictions that are still in place between provinces and territories. So we don't expect people you know, to be able to travel freely uh, throughout Canada. So there will still be um, some, some big restrictions uh, for a period of time yet unknown how long that will be, but certainly it will, it will affect travel within Canada in 2020. So you made a, a few interesting points there. I'm gonna start with um, the domestic travel uh, point. I was uh, looking at um, some abacus research, and here's what uh, David Coletto, partner and CEO of Abacus Data, had to say. He said, although we are still in the early stages of understanding the real impact COVID will have on travel decisions, it's becoming clearer to me that many Canadians will look for an experience closer to home as anxiety and concerns about air or rail travel and or the safety of foreign or American destinations remains in doubt. Um, can domestic tourism operators make up for the loss of international travel domestically? Is that even possible? Well, uh, it, it's possible that they'll make it up some of the loss uh, that of from the international travelers, uh, but it, it won't. It won't be the case that they'll be able to fill that gap completely. Uh, yes, you know, Canadians who may have traveled otherwise outside of the country will be staying home. So those are dollars, those are kind of new dollars into the tourism economy. Uh, but our our populations are, are are not big enough to be able to make up that that full amount. So if you take a uh, and also the restrictions that I was talking about earlier. So if you take a province like Prince Edward Island, uh, Prince Edward Island is is uh, getting ready now, is already starting actually to open up uh, their economy, uh, but they're not opening up their border for travel. So they're they're considering, um, you know, whether they would open up kind of a, a travel bubble with other provinces, perhaps neighboring neighboring provinces, uh, maritime provinces, perhaps if uh, if the if the conditions are correct. But that would give them a very small population base. So uh, if you if you just think about Prince Edward Islanders traveling on PEI. Uh, you know, there's about 100, you know, 150,000 max uh, population there. Uh, but in a given year, they have over a million and a half um, tourists coming to PEI. So there's no way that even with a maritime population that you would be able to make up for the for that business. So I think the combination of the of the provincial travel restrictions, the provincial border travel restrictions, and the overall size of our population would say that we're not going to be able to make it up entirely. But there is a huge opportunity there, and Canada can kind of win back um, Canadian travelers who have been, you know, looking to more distant um, uh, destinations with their interest and with their dollars. So I think that that is a good opportunity. It's also a good opportunity for areas outside of the, you know, the main cities that most of our international travelers uh, arrive in Canada through the main. Uh, gateway cities and they, they they tend to spend their travel dollars uh kind of close to those areas certainly in the in, in you know four provinces uh alone have benefited from about 85 to 90 percent of the 
international travel expenditure coming to Canada. So this opportunity to kind of keep Canadians home and to, and to have their money um, stay in the economy uh, also gives us an opportunity to, to spread those dollars out more uh, beyond those, certainly in the cities, but beyond those cities. Uh, and to also, I think, to open up uh, to national parks, which which may not have seen as much visitation as, as some of the national parks that perhaps are more famous on the international scene. Uh, Canadians, we know our park system a lot better. We're interested in going out in nature now that we've been kind of in the house for so, for so many months. And I think that you'll see uh, Canadians getting out there and really rediscovering our own country. Yeah, and there's very little evidence of, uh, of transmission of COVID-19 uh, in outdoor settings. So it would seem that really uh, parks um, would be a, a great place uh, for people uh, to head to. I mean, you'd still need to be careful around common areas like uh, bathrooms and, and that type of thing. Um, but it seems like uh, parks would be a really great and safe uh, option for Canadians. So to your point, though, about um, the closing of borders, um, that's something that I was thinking about, too. You know, um, I was reading the United States. Um, you know, it's very clearly under their constitution. Um, you cannot uh, create safe travel bubbles in between uh, certain states while excluding the residents of other states. Um, so that doesn't really seem to be uh, an option in the United States. It's a little bit uh, more murky here in Canada. I mean, in the Charter, we, we, we have mobility rights and, and of course, we, we have um, uh, freedoms um, as well in terms, of, uh, in terms of liberty. But, you know, uh, our, our, our Charter is a little bit more about a balancing act, right? You, 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 can, uh, you can place restrictions so long as they're uh, reasonably justified. So, you know, my family, you know, we would love to, to head to Nova Scotia. That's something we do uh, every summer. Um, but, you know, I'm just not sure what's going to happen. We really need that Quebec border um, to open uh, to uh, non-essential travel, travel for pleasure, uh, in order for us um, to be able to uh, get to Nova Scotia. It, ha have you heard, like, is there you know, is, is the tourism sector kind of raising their hand and asking questions about these um, provincial barriers and, and what the future plans are for those? Absolutely. In fact, I was I was listening to a, a, an operator on Prince Edward Island uh, this week, you know, that the government has, was talking about the opening of restrictions and, and uh, the, but the fact that the border was going to remain restricted and you know, he was saying, you know, okay, that's great. You know, I'm going to be able to open my business. I'm a tourism operator. He was an accommodation operator. He said, I've got all of these reservations um, for uh, for my business. They're from out of province. Uh, so if, if I'm interpreting the rule correctly, I perhaps you're asking me to cancel all these reservations and that, you know, my reservations are going to fill up with islanders. <laughs> and and uh, so he was kind of, you know, putting the challenge back out there to say, like, is this really what, what we're going to do next? Um but but certainly we do have liberties to, to to cross provincial borders. I think that the thing that we're experiencing right now is what will be the quarantine restrictions once once that border is crossed. So even if not if the borders between provinces open up to uh, non-essential travel, will that mean that you're 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 still subject to uh, a 14-day quarantine or self-isolation when when you arrive? So so here I am. I'm in Nova Scotia. And my 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 son was talking about. Uh, 
about uh, coming down uh, first in time he gets off of work and he's well, a lucky person who's still uh, working and he was talking about uh, he has you know a week off and so, so they they're, they presently they and he gets it in June so he, he uh, even if he could come he would be in quarantine when he got here so uh, so that might be great you know for for his vacation but but probably not so uh, so the quarantine is also a, a consideration people uh, if they leave their province will they have to quarantine when they get back uh, will they have to quarantine where they're going uh, so yes we do have liberties but there are you know these these various restrictions we expect to stay in place for for some period of time and very difficult to uh, quarantine uh, when you're entering um, a province you don't live in, right? Like, how do you get groceries and uh, and and those types of things, and still uh, respect uh, quarantine restrictions? Right. So I think that the these are some of the things that the the, the tourism sector is actually uh, adjusting to right now. Uh, so there are some operators, they have properties that actually lend themselves very well to quarantine. Uh, properties that, if you think about it, have exterior doors, they, they, people can come and go from their own um, uh, unit. Uh, they, whether that's a cabin or uh, uh, a, a hotel with, with exterior doors. Uh, th- those properties are, are seeing some business now. Uh, but the operators are, are, are operating very differently. Uh, there's there's no longer kind of daily uh, house cleaning. Uh, there's um, services offered, but they're they're um, they're not the same as as the same suite of services that have been offered in the past. But they're also offering uh, grocery drop-offs, for instance. So I think it's it's one of the things that we're going to see some some innovation. Uh, in the sector, and, um, and and some of that will probably last into the future. I don't think it will go away. I think some of those uh, amenities, some of those new amenities, uh, will be very well received by by travelers. Well, that's very interesting. And so there's also um, international travel bubbles, right, uh, are being considered by countries. Uh, Australia and New Zealand were the first to kind of come out and talk about establishing a travel bubble, um, and what's interesting for Australia and New Zealand is that it um, it also creates opportunities for uh, their airline industries, right, to fly. But um, I also saw several Baltic states are also um, adopting um, a similar pos- policy, and and there it's not really being driven by by airline, just just trying to give people an opportunity to travel again and to also help revive. Uh, some businesses. Do you, do you think you know Canada will, will consider this at all? I can certainly see maybe some of my clinical uh, former colleagues uh, raising some eyebrows if if we thought about doing that uh, with the United States. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. I mean, the the U.S. given that it's our our largest market by far, uh, I think is the one that everyone would have the question about, and uh, they're there's an expectation that we're going to we're going to see restrictions on that border uh, for some time. You know whether Canada would would consider a travel bubble with a country like Australia, uh, where you know we do have uh, a number of visitors every year. Uh, they tend to spend a, to spend a long time when they get here, uh, so they probably could deal with the with the quarantine issues. Uh, they have long length of stay. Uh, so, so there, there perhaps are some opportunities for that. I think that those are some new ideas for Canada uh, that we that we have to think about. I think that the thing that um, 
that I, that I'm really uh, you know trying to think through is to think about kind of how is this going to impact travel in the short term and the long term. And we're talking a lot about travel that's kind of leisure kind of travel that people uh, travel on vacation. But you know, leisure is is one component of travel in Canada. It's a very big component. Uh, but also very big are people traveling to, to visit family, people traveling within Canada and, and even internationally, but certainly within Canada. Uh, we call that uh, VFR travel, visiting friends and, and relatives. Uh, that's a big driver of travel. And so is travel to attend um, business events, um, conferences, uh, and major business events. So I think that the, if, I, if I think about the overall landscape, I think that we're going to see uh, VFR, people traveling to visit friends and relatives. That's going to, people have a high motivation to, to get out and see their family after they've been kind of uh, cooped up. We have a lot of grandparents complaining that they haven't been able to see their grandchildren. We have people wanting to get to their to their family cottages to, to see their family. So I think you're going to start to see uh, a big demand for movement uh, with, with families traveling to, to be with each other. Um, the... The whole leisure travel is connected to that, but I think that will kind of come second. People wanting to travel for their for their their holidays that that are not uh, involving seeing family, but just getting out and, and enjoying the outdoors or enjoying the uh, family time together. And then there's the whole issue of uh, well, business events, and then just basically events in general. People travel within Canada and to Canada. Uh, to attend our events all the time. This is a huge part of our business. And it really remains to be seen, you know, what, what's going to happen uh, with these big events that where there's people crowded, you know, in, in, um, in, in smaller, not smaller spaces, but, but people together uh, in spaces. And, you know, what will be the, uh, the new, what will a music festival look like in the future? What will a, uh, a convention look like in the future with uh, physical and social distancing requirements? So there's big parts of the sect of the industry that are going to be really hurt, and that that's um, that's important for tourism because that business, the events business and the business travel business, that's business that happens kind of year round in Canada. So it's what makes the uh, the tourism sector sustainable on a year round basis. So we have a lot of interest in seeing if we can get solutions to to that to those problems as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, once again, um, not to get too personal, but you know, just thinking about our own summer plans. You know, um, uh, I'm originally from Windsor. Um, uh, we could probably drive to Windsor in a day uh, to see some family. Uh, much harder uh, to drive to Nova Scotia from Ottawa. Uh, without stopping. And so, you know, uh, I was thinking about your comment around, you know, um, some operators, you know, providing some, you know, innovative solutions to, to people uh, coming to stay. But, you know, it's like, well, if we just wanted to stop in Quebec, will, will, will that be an option? And what does that mean in terms of how big of a circle uh, we can draw when we think about um, our travel plans? Um and then the other piece, yeah, for work, I mean, for sure, seeing lots of businesses, um, uh, you know, targeting, eliminating uh, work travel as, uh, as, as a quick expense to, to just, uh, you know, really draw down to zero uh, in an effort to, uh, to manage their, their businesses. So, you know, that, that's going to be a huge uh, challenge for, for, for the, the tourism sector. Um, 
uh, are there are there any policy ideas or, or or requests for for relief coming from the sector to to try and you know deal with these big changes in people's uh, behaviors? Well, it's a really good question. I, I think that the the issue around business travel is is a complex issue. Like you, you're absolutely right to say that you know we've seen uh, we're seeing businesses ta- target business travel as an area of expense that they can that that they can eliminate or or reduce. Uh, certainly, we're, we're we're seeing that kind of every day when we're we're looking at um, at corporate plans that are being announced. Uh, so. That, that there's a number of things going on there. First of all, people have really been able to trial uh, remote working and uh, and remote meetings. So we're seeing virtual meetings really um, uh, emerge. Uh, a number of companies are are finding out that uh, virtual meetings are effective for them in areas where they where they have in the past uh, relied on in person face to face meetings. So we think that that is a is a trend that will continue. The impact on this for travel, however, is is really multifaceted, in part because business travelers are the most lucrative travelers for airlines. So many of our routes in Canada are, uh, you know, the, the, the leisure travelers are uh, are really not carrying the burden of the expense of, of, of the cost of those routes. It's really the business travelers that are the are the most uh, uh, provide the most return on investment for the airlines. So I, I expect that we're going to see a, a reduction in a number of the you know the short haul, uh, short um, uh, flight um, flights as this kind of sorts its way out as there's fewer business travelers in the air. So we're going to it's going to impact hotels. It's going to impact airlines, and uh, we're going to have to kind of adjust to that kind of going forward. So, from a policy point of view, right now we're you know we're we're at the point of view at the point in time where we're seeing the the industries still speaking about kind of you know how do we survive this you know what 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 will it take what assistance uh, do we need in order to be standing uh, when our business comes back because airlines are not expe- are saying that they're expecting it to take three or four years before they can expect business to come back to even kind of 2019 levels. So uh, so there's all of the um, uh, suppliers in, in that chain, uh, airports being an important one as well, uh, who who have a business model that's based on volume. Uh, we have destination organizations all across Canada that have a business model based on volume. They are funded through hotel taxes, so through levies that we pay when we stay in these hotels. So that's what is funding the destination management, the destination marketing all across the country. So that's that business model has kind of um, really imploded over the last couple of months as well. So lots of different things happening. Right now, from a policy point of view, we have these different entities, whether they're destination organizations or, bus- or private businesses, at the at the uh, at the large level, uh, the, the large size, and also uh, smaller businesses, uh, seeking additional government assistance to 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 get through um, to, to navigate their way through. And there's already already been a number of different programs that they're that they're taking advantage of. And you know they're saying that we don't know if this is going to be enough to to help to to help us survive. So um, so there is going to be uh, 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 some changes coming in terms of you know some businesses will will be here uh, when business comes come back some will not be here and some 
expect some new businesses uh, will also be be emerging. So it, it is a it's a complex area for um, for policies. I think the thing that uh, governments are really grappling with right now that most impacts tourism is what are we going to do about these border restrictions and how are we going to um, allow for uh, the mobility of travelers, whether they're you know, Canadians traveling within Canada and ultimately international travelers, is probably the that's the biggest policy issue that that we're really facing. Yeah, I was reading in the month of April, um, 91% of the world's population lived in countries that limited or forbid the entry of non-citizens and non-residents. Mm-hmm. I have to say that just knocked my socks off. Like what? Uh, an enormous change uh, from a policy perspective and just from a human behavior uh, perspective. Now, you know, those restrictions aren't going to stay in place um, forever, but the fact that they were able to be implemented um, and enforced um I think that leaves an, an indelible mark on the world, even once we roll them back. Correct. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, it's it's really an opportunity for all of us and 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 thinking about kind of what how destinations develop uh, to maybe push the reset button on on a, in a few key areas. You know, one of the, the you know the the challenges that destinations have had over the last 10 years is, is the notion of over-tourism has started to become um, really a, a concern among uh, the world's destinations. And even in Canada, where we, you know, we're not a crowded country, uh, but we do have instances where, you know, over-tourism could be considered uh, an issue. So how can we push the reset button on those? And how do we deal with, um, you know, if we're going to be open opening back up to travelers, how do we uh, address areas where we have had crowded uh, 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 destinations or, or crowded attractions uh, at certain times of the year or even certain um, days. And, and so uh, in, a, in a place like Halifax, for instance, uh, that would be um, uh, a, a consideration uh, where um, it's a big cruise day. You know, you have four or five cruise ships in and, and t- they tend to uh, uh, have a lot of visitors taking the same types of itinerary so you have crowding in some of the attractions it would be a consideration in um, you know Banff and Jasper National Parks which are, are hugely popular with with uh, international visitors and uh, they, they certainly will be uh, impacted by the, the the restrictions kind of going forward but at the same time how can we take this opportunity to kind of push that reset button and say you know how do we deal with with uh, these crowding issues kind of going forward, uh, how can we more, um, how can we manage tourism so that it works for us better at the community level? Like we live in these communities and you know, we want we want travelers to, uh, to visit, but we want to make sure that we remain safe if we're opening up to tourism. We want the travelers to have a good experience, uh, but we don't really want to see overcrowding. And so how are we going to manage that? That's something that I think destinations are, are going to have to be really challenged with uh, going forward because it's not something, it's been kind of a hands-off approach in, in, in the past. You know, marketers have, have really, um, for the most part, uh, been uh, seeking 
you know, growth, growth in, in volume numbers. Uh, we've been advocating for a long time that and, and shifting the Canadian strategy to be more of a, a, a yield strategy. So looking for uh, moving away from uh, volume to more of a, a value customer. Um, but but even with that, uh, we we have had some of these crowding issues. So uh, I, I believe going forward that that even once we deal with issues around a vaccine and we can deal with the health issues of, of COVID-19 going forward, I think people are still going to be very concerned about being in super crowded uh, environments with people from, from all different places. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a very interesting point, Michelle. Um, I know in China, they've introduced um, reservation systems uh, for some uh, popular uh, attractions, whereas they didn't used to have um, a reservation system. So they're doing that in order to um, support physical distancing. And it made me think, you know what, we used to not have um, such rigorous uh, reservation uh, systems or controlled access um, before 9-11 for some destinations. Like the, the experience of going to Parliament Hill in Ottawa is very different post 9-11 than it was pre 9-11. Um, so I'm just wondering if this, if, you know, COVID-19 um, doesn't have like, like an exactly similar impact because, because it, it's, it, it's a different pernicious thing you're trying to, to protect against, but, but, but does it have a similar lasting impact? Um, as you say, where we reset our whole concepts of access even when for pleasure and enrichment. Correct. And, you know, so I think this is going to impact the, all of the industry. So I, I think what's going to happen, for instance, with online travel agencies, you know, they, 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 they've emerged as a huge part of our business. So agencies like uh, TripAdvisor and Expedia and those, um, you know, what, what is their role right now? They're, you know, they're, 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 their revenues have really dropped their, their, their in cuts, but they you know, they, they'll, they're planning on coming back and what will their role be? Like we could see that they would be uh, interested in kind of curating tourism experiences along some new um, dimensions that have, have not been there in the past. So we'll learn more about, you know, whether the, the, the destination or the property that we're going to would have, uh, what, what their cleaning standards would be. We're going to see new, lots of new standards come in place um, uh, for cleanliness. And, and I think that, that that'll happen at the, you know, with the, with the major um, chains and um, major tour operator businesses, but also um, very much, I think, at the destination level. So cleanliness will be, uh, will be measured in a different way. We're going to be uh, uh, seeing the OTAs probably curate around touchless, um, you know, whether you have, um, you know, that you can check into a hotel without, without getting a key, like just basically have the key on your, on your phone. Uh, so that, so those will be things that we're going to uh, be seeing. And also, you know, whether or not there's what kind of nearby medical facilities, you know, one of the things you, you, you mentioned uh, kind of post 9-11, uh, we also saw that one of the big impacts of that was that um, travel insurance companies had to really deal with, you know, whether acts of terrorism were included in the insurance policy. Now, fast forward to COVID-19 and we found a lot of people 
uh, found out the hard way that that pandemics, in fact, were not included in their insurance policy, their travel insurance policy. So, you know, that would be probably one of the things that we're going to see now, kind of going forward, if if history repeats itself, that you know policies are going to be um, be very clear about you know is is a pandemic threat covered in the policies and not covered in the policy and and um, um, you know very specific language on that. So, yeah, there will be some. Some big changes, and um, I think the other thing that I'm thinking about a lot is, um, you know, what's the impact of this going to be on home sharing platforms? It's been a big part of the business over uh, growth over the last ten years, uh, to the point where about and certainly in, in Nova Scotia now, about fifteen percent of the tourism businesses um, is in home sharing, uh, and 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 that would be a similar number uh, across the country. Uh, so, you know, what, are people going to be as anxious to kind of stay in um, uh, a private uh, home and, and uh, may feel that they're taking more of a chance on that, that issue of cleanliness? So how those platforms are going to be uh, responding to this? Um, well, they're already starting to respond. We're, we're seeing, um, you know, some of them start to introduce new products where, um, you know, you would guarantee that the property had not been um uh, there have been no travelers there for the last 72 hours before you arrive. That's kind of one of the new products that we're starting to see. And there's also another school of thought to say that maybe those properties will be even more popular because people could arrive with their own kind of cleaning supplies, you know, clean the place to their own standard, and then stay for stay put for a couple of weeks. And maybe that would they would prefer that to being in uh, in an area where they're going to kind of be in more proximity to more people. So uh, lots of things that are unknown yet that's so interesting you you've already given me so much of your time but i have to ask like it's just nagging at me cruises i thought cruises <laughs> would for sure be done right like <laughs> and uh but then i was reading that carnival announced that their bookings are up 200 percent over the prior year what's driving that so this is a very, very curious number um, that, that, that has been announced and, and a few of the other um, lines have also have announced kind of similar types of uh, boost in booking and uh, they're not being entirely transparent about to the, the extent to which that might include or that does include people who were booked for this year that have rebooked for next year. Uh, so they, they've had a lot of people that they're, that they're shifting the business forward. Uh, so we think that there's there's a, a certain amount of that, um, and I, I you know I believe that it it's it's going to and and they're and they're offering big incentives uh, for booking as well, and they're also saying that they're they're waiving um, the cancellation policy the, the regular cancellation policy. So right now uh, there's there's a it's a low risk uh, kind of environment for for people who are wanting to book. Uh, and they have opportunities to um, uh, to cancel that 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 reservation, but certainly there's a there's a huge uh, number of travelers that are considered themselves to be cruisers, and they're anxious to um, to see that that product come back. I think the, the the biggest challenge for cruise lines will be to convert people who are who have not cruised before. Uh, into in into cruisers <laughs> uh, because it, it you know there's going to be a uh, certainly uh, they've they've had it um, 
major challenges uh, with the with this pandemic in terms of how it was handled. Some of the you know the images that were made in our in all of our heads of you know cruise ships floating around and and looking for um, uh, locations and it it reports rather, but. It's certainly something that um, you know Canada is taking very seriously. We we've kind of shut down that business in terms of international cruising, and putting in place lots of criteria for what it would take to for for cruise ships to to come back. And I know that the cruise lines are are taking that um, very seriously, uh, and and um, working to to meet those standards. And um, but one area that we are seeing some growth, and I'm not that surprised, is uh, there's there's smaller there's a number of small cruise ships or the, some of these big cruise lines own some smaller vessels uh, and there's um, independent uh, companies that have small vessels and you may see uh, uh, a, a surge in that business where people feel a bit more safe they may feel they have a bit more uh, space to themselves even though the vessel's smaller they have uh, far fewer uh, passengers so uh, so there may be some uh, nor more diversity coming in that business in terms of the type of, of product, uh, but it is a it is a bit baffling to see some of the numbers that uh, that are being um, touted uh, at the moment. Uh, you know, people were were very um, uh, concerned. One of the, the things I just recently read though about cruising was you know maybe one of the options because they have these big ships and and they're these huge assets is that maybe the cruise ships will dock like say in the Caribbean islands, like a, a, the cruise ship would dock, it would be kind of a floating hotel. So you wouldn't kind of be stuck if, if, if something happened and, but you'd have kind of the amenities of the ship. Uh, you'd be on a ship, you'd be in a destination, has some of the amenities of the destination. Um, but you wouldn't actually be moving from port to port. So, um, so those are some of the ideas that I'm starting to see emerge as to how that industry will start to adapt to uh, this brave new normal that we're all facing, that we're all heading to. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Um, what is your best advice uh, to Canadians who may be, you know, thinking about their, their summer plans? And, and obviously you can't make predictions about um, provincial borders, but, but, but what would you um, recommend to Canadians looking to support uh, tourism and seeing what an asset it is? Um, in our economy, what, what what what's your best advice for, for Canadians here wanting to be helpful? Well, I think Canadians are kind of uh, learning the hard way uh, that you know tourism is actually really super important to our economies uh, at the at the very local level. Uh, so that there's they're unfortunately getting to see that when when those visitor dollars are not coming to their economy, it's impacting their businesses um, right through the whole supply chain. So I think my my um, my request uh, to Canadians would be to say, you know, you, you've, if you if if you're able, and I know that people's budgets have been hit, but if you're able and you were planning to travel, uh, really consider to you know spending those dollars uh, close to home. Uh, and uh, you know, we we have a tendency as Canadians to you know save up for these big trips, and we we take these trips with our families um, elsewhere. And I'd say. You know, those are great. Those are great experiences right here in Canada uh, to have wonderful, uh, wonderful trips that that you know the memories will will last last a lifetime. And uh, you know, look at those uh, in your own backyard and support our local businesses and help them through this and help them innovate and um, help them survive. And 
I think people will be kind of really pleasantly surprised at all of the wonderful uh, experiences they can have. Thank you so much, Michelle. I super appreciate your insights and uh, and your your advice for us being uh, safer, better, smarter, and uh, more helpful travelers. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks, Jody.